Uh, well, folks, we've been in this uh, series, uh, this is what it's called, if you forgot, Matters of the Mind. And uh, before we go further tonight, will you review with me what we've done in the prior two sessions? Uh, the first time we met, uh, we had as our theme verse, uh, say it with me if you remember, Proverbs 4.23, it said, watch over your, did you forget? Your mind with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Uh, the heart of the matter is truly a matter of the mind. That's what that verse said. The word heart being a reference to the thought life. From it flowed the springs of life. And last time we got together, uh, we spoke of something else. And it was in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And this is what it said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And I advanced this, the diagnostic question. In case you're wondering if you, I, are loving God with all our mind, I suggested you put this question to yourself. Um, am I thinking the thoughts that God loves? That's what it means uh, to love God with all our mind. And tonight I'd like to take us a little further down the road. Uh, first by telling you uh, about someone you're familiar with. His name is Paul. And he was all over the place and spent a lot of time, unusually, in jail. He was imprisoned frequently uh, for crimes against the state. And his number one offense was that he simply was a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was unashamed about telling people about him. And the penalty for that was that he ended up in jail on frequent occasions. I have one in mind. He was imprisoned in Rome at the time. And this was the charge against him, you know, sedition against the state. Because his primary loyalty was to the Lord Jesus Christ. While in jail, he made good use of the time he decided to uh, write a letter uh, to some folks who, like him, were devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they were far away from where he was. He was in jail in Rome, making use of his time, and he was going to have this letter delivered to this group of devoted Christ followers, and they resided at a place called Colossae, Colossae which would be where Turkey is today. We used to refer to it as Asia Minor, but it's modern-day Turkey. And, and, and he wrote this letter because he loved them and wanted to encourage their faith, but also he wanted to confront a fast-growing error, uh, which he thought might um, uh, cause real problems, theological problems, in their local fellowship in Colossae. And so he wrote this letter, and it was written about... 1,950 years ago, uh, but even then, Christians, like us, had some problems and some challenges. I mean, Paul is in jail for Christ, and the Colossians themselves are on the verge of being in error about Christ. And so, 
he writes this being the purpose, to encourage and to correct. And I want us to just look at a little snippet of some of his written comments today. See, we have it, isn't it marvelous? Preserved without error down to this very day, almost 2,000 years later. So you could look it up if you'd like. It's Colossians chapter 3. And so uh, if you have a Bible, uh, join with us. And if not, you could help yourself to one on the seat back in front of you. You could look on. You could just listen. You could do what you want. Colossians chapter 3. Take a look at verse 1. It's a little hard to find, isn't it, Colossians? In the New Testament. Uh, Good luck. After what? After Philippians. There you go. Colossians 3 verse 1. Therefore, if you... Will you trust me when I tell you the sense is since you. Therefore, since you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know what Paul's doing for them and by extension for us? He's reminding them of their new status in Christ. They had an old one. Now they have a new one. The new one is characterized by this marvelous fret. They've been raised up with Christ. Raised up from what? I think from the confines of earth. They're, they're earth bounded. They're confined to this space time dimension called the world. Uh, prior to this new status, they weren't just in it. They were really of it in their mind, in their thinking, in their perspectives, in, in in their life, they were confined by the, by the values, by the throws, by the limits of this particular life. But, 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 but that's ancient history. No, no. See, now they have a new status. They've been, they've been raised up with Christ. At, at one time, they were alive here in the world, but very much dead to Christ. Uh, 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 but now, though they, they be in the world, they're kind of dead to the ways of the world, and they've been resuscitated, quickened, so now they are alive to Christ. They've been raised up. They've been promoted to new mountains of grandeur and glory. They can behold the otherwise unseen transcendent deity who is God Almighty. They have this marvelously new status. They're very much still in the world, and yet... That's just their physical, geographical locale. Their spiritual identity and location is that they are now raised up alive to Christ. So this leads to a very interesting, I think, insight. Though you and I, Christians, are still very much here, do you realize that from God's perspective we're already gone? Yeah, it's a little little hard to... To, it just takes some real mind work. I mean, we're very much, in case you're not sure, pinch yourself or the person next to you. You can, I mean, th- here we are. We, there's no escaping it. And yet from God's point of view, no, no, we're already gone. You see the phrase right there. You have been, that's past tense, not will be. You have been raised up with Christ. Where is he? Well, he is seated at the right hand. Of God. You've been raised up with him. Where is he? He is seated at the right hand of God. So this is how God sees it. So you know what our challenge is? To do everything we could to do better at seeing things the way God sees it. (laughs) He sees us as already gone. He knows I'm here. 
And, and, he, and he very much is aware of the fact that you are here. And, and yet, he sees us as if we ain't. He sees us as if we're already caught up, raised up, to be with him above. So, you and I have to face the challenges here. Because we're very much still here. We have to face earth's challenges for sure. But we will do better if we face them in light of heaven's realities. And this is one. We've been raised up. Therefore, says Paul, to the Colossians, to us by extension, he says, keep seeking the things above. You're there. He's there. The head of the church. The body should follow the head. He's the head. We, the church, are the body. We're there. Keep seeking the things above. Which begs the question, Paul, how? How do we do this? Yeah, I, I think he might answer, well, it's a matter of the mind. And so he says so in the very next verse, verse 2 of Colossians 3. Notice, set your, there it is, mind on the things above. What's the option? Not on the things that are on earth. Folks, here's the deal. The human mind, yours and mine, is going to set itself on something. There is no option. It's going to alight. It's going to dwell. It's going to focus. It's going to land on something. As a general rule, it lands on the same kind of thoughts it has already been thinking about for a long time. The mind kind of takes the path of least resistance. As a general rule, uh, our thoughts are going to land on the same spots they have for a long time. It's kind of like this. Um, I had two dogs one time, different than the ones I now have. And um, we, we would let them out to the backyard of the home in which we lived. And it was very interesting to me how both of them, first one, then the other, would always go out uh, the same way. It was kind of this circuitous course around the perimeter of the yard. And then they'd come back the same way. And after a while, these two little four-legged, so that's eight legs, um, mongrels had beaten a pathway around the entire yard. And they would travel it all the time with utmost agility and coordination. It was quite a, it wasn't a big wide thing. It was just this little, this thing. It was upsetting to us because they, they stamped out the grass. Through repetition, uh, they, they impressed their little paws, uh, so, uh, noticeably in the grass that they wore it out. And it became the path, if you will, of least resistance. So the grass would grow higher all around it, particularly if I didn't mow it on time. And, 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 and they wouldn't, they wouldn't vary from it. I think it was a fairly non-thinking, uh, a kind of activity. It's just something they did because there it was. There was the, there was the route they had traveled again and again and again. They just did. Well, that kind of happens to us cognitively. A cognition is a thought. That kind of happens over here. Uh, if you continue to think of the same thing, I'll illustrate in just a second, you are actually um, imprinting on your brain a pathway. And that's one of the reasons why your thoughts 
uh, much to your dismay, oftentimes go back to the same pathway. You don't like those thoughts. They may be thoughts of inferiority, of rejection, of self-condemnation, of doubt. You may continually think you're unloved. You're without hope. You'll never change. You're stuck. You don't fit in. You hate that. And yet you're there all the time. I mean, you can have people preach to you until they, they, they turn red. And you're, you're, it's, it's just the path of least, it's this pathway. Well, now the science, don't get mad at me because I'm bringing science here into the church. You know, all science is is a bunch of people discovering what God did. I mean, isn't in the Bible. It's not the Bible catching up with science. I'm not into that. It's the other way around. It's science catching up with what God said. I just want to show you that there's a scientific basis uh, for for what God says in the Bible. I don't need that to know that the Bible is God's word. I don't need it whatsoever. But but when but there's no conflict between good science and the Bible, because because God orchestrated this ordered, systematic universe. Scientists, even non-Christians, one, are simply discovering what God did. They're just not giving him the credit, you see. So I want to tell you what, what neuroscience is revealing to us. You say, so how could they look into the brain? Well, there's all kinds of stuff today. Boy, here, Dr. Furtado would be very helpful, but stay where you are. Don't get up. Um. They have brain imagery and brain scans and all kinds of things that enable experts to look to the activity of the brain today uh, in ways we never had before. And you ought to be as fascinated by this, which God made, as by mountains and trees and and the uh, physical universe, which God made. This is an unbelievable thing that he spoke into existence and equipped us with. Anyway, so neuroscientists are noticing that there are cells in there. We spoke about this. They're called neurons, and there's like, it depends on what study you read, but they're like billions of these things. And um, they're kind of like trees. They have tentacles extending from them. Some some receive messages and some send out messages. And the way one neuron sends a signal to another is not by yelling or screaming. And it isn't a pathway in the grass. It's an electrochemical pathway. Those are called neuro, nerve, neurology transmitters. It's a bunch of liquid stuff up there. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Hey, go like this. You could feel it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, that's not really true. But so, so, so the, the science is verifying that if you continue to think the same thing, uh, eventually you'll, you'll kind of lose control over what you're thinking. Could I use this term? It will become a stronghold. You can't easily, readily shake it. It's not an imprinted pathway in the grass, but it's analogous to it. It's a neurological imprint on your brain. And it literally, it literally affects your brain, what your brain looks like. You and I can be brain damaged just by stinking thinking. I'm not talking about being a pro football player and getting a concussion. There's all kinds of science research towards that end now. I'm talking about just thinking things that are not true. We could actually damage our brains because because it, it becomes a neurological 
imprint, a pattern of thought so deeply embedded, embedded in our brain. It's an organ, you say. It clogs it up like cholesterol does the vessels of the, of the heart. And so those ner- nerve cells or, or neurons are, they send these messages, you see. And after a while, you can't shake it because it's kind of a patterned uh, pathway. And so uh, God gives us some unbelievably hopeful news in this passage. Uh, he tells us, even though some of your thought patterns are set neurologically because you let it be there. Remember we spoke about being lazy thinkers. Remember we spoke about how we let untruths just intrude and get comfortable and move right in even though they shouldn't be there. Well, the penalty for that is we have certain neurological imprints now, but God says, so if you have set your mind on all that junk, Good news, you can reset it. You can set your mind on the things above. And what's more, the marvelous brain which God has created and given us, I love this, it can change. Organically, it's an organ, the brain, it's tissue and so on. So It can actually change. So let me develop this thought just a little bit by making a comparison between the man-made computer and the God-given brain. By the way, man has succeeded in making computers by using the brain which God has given him, but oftentimes man has not given God the credit. So let me just compare the computer and the brain a little bit. It's quite interesting. The brain and computer both use electrical signals, both do, to send messages. The brain, for instance, uses these chemicals I was speaking about, and the computer uses electricity. Both the brain and the computer transmit information. Both the brain and the computer have memory, and both have memory that can grow. Computer memory, for instance, grows by adding computer chips. Memories in the brain, however, grow by forming new connections between its neurons. So here is the marvelously hopeful truth for those of you here who struggle uh, with depression and anxiety and panic and um, uh, self-loathing and inadequacy and all the rest, which keeps uh, you and I from functioning on the level God wants us to. Here's the hopeful message uh, for you. Your brain can grow new connections. We now know... Uh, neuroscientists know that the brain continues to produce new neurons throughout our lives. And here's how it does it. Through exercise. It's a marvelous parallel to physical well-being. You produce muscle tone and musculature and all the rest through exercise of the anatomy, physical exercise. And you could actually change, reform uh, your brain, you by establishing new patterns of thought, because new neurons are always developing through exercise. Now, God knows this. You and I, maybe, are just figuring it out, but God knows this. That's why he says, set 
your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. You know what God just said there? He said exercise. You know what he said? Bodily exercise is of little profit, but this kind of exercise is of much more profit. Exercise your minds. This is a hopeful message. Don't take terrible patterns of destructive thinking uh, lying down. Don't surrender to it. God has just given us a capacity to have an offense. He's given us a capacity to establish new pathways. You know, uh, this house I told you about, the backyard of which had this terrible imprint in the grass, uh, uh, we sold it years ago, and I went back to check it out, and the grass has grown over. You can't see it anymore. I thought, oh, what a hopeful parallel. You can actually um, tape over terrible, terrible imprinted messages in your mind uh, with new ones so that the new ones become more habitual thought patterns than the old ones. The problem is it takes a lot of work, and you and I don't do it. We, we, we don't examine our thought life whatsoever. But God is saying right here, do it. You know what he's saying? Get off the cognitive couch. He's saying, don't be mental couch potatoes. He's saying, go to work. Here's the exercise. He's saying, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. What is your mind and my mind habitually set on? He's saying, reset it. Well, but I've always thought this way. And, you know, I've had this thought from, you know, because I come from a dysfunctional background and I was victimized in this way or that way. And I've always developed the thinking that I'm worthless and that I'm junk and that I'm on. I understand all of that. I, I absolutely understand. But verse 1 of Colossians 3 told me not to ignore that. It just told me don't surrender to it. Because God has given you and I, Christians, a new status. He lifted us up from all that. Don't you get it? He lifted us up. He already sees us as seated in the heavenly places uh, where Jesus is. He says, set your mind on that reality. That is, he, he says, I know about your reality. I know about all this. It has hurt you. It, is, it has injured you. It has wounded you. And it has affected your thinking. And God is saying, but it's all different now. You've been born again in more ways than you know. God is saying, I, I don't want to just redeem your soul. I want to redeem your mind. You have the mind of Christ now. Don't you get it? And so God says, you've got to work at that. You've got to unplug from uh, the old thought patterns and plug into the new ones. And you could do it now. God says so. So he says, set your mind. You see, on the, on the things above, reset it. This is really, really hard work for sure. But it gets easier because you're going to imprint on your mind new neurological pathways. It's no different than physical discipline. I, I use some foolish analogies to it in prior weeks. You know, you start a new physical exercise, the treadmill or jogging or uh, what do they call these things where you get on the bike, the spinning class. That is your torture chamber. Have you ever done? Holy moly. I did it. I did it one time, it was one hour long, and there was this lady about 80 pounds. I'm thinking, what could she do that I can't do? She was like the coach, I'll tell you what she could do. <laughs> Kill me. And so it was like an hour long deal, and it was me in there, and, and uh, you know, a bunch of ladies, and, and, uh, and, and others. I'm looking around, and I'm saying, man, if they could do it, I could do this. No, I couldn't. But, 
but I didn't want to get off the bike. How do you get out of here? I don't want to be the first one to leave. I'm staying. You know, I'm, uh, you know, and then I couldn't get off the bike. And the class was, was over. So this is not a good deal. I don't recommend it. But, but I'll bet you if I continued to do this, you know, you get through the pain and it hurts perhaps a little less the second time, a little less the third time. And, you know, you, 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 you're making it and you, it's kind of a habitual thing. I wouldn't say it's ever a fun thing, but it surely gets to be a less taxing, a less torturous, a less tedious kind of a thing. Well, if that holds true with physical discipline, it surely does with mental discipline as well. So it starts out being rough, a little awkward and all the rest. And, you know, we're entering into unfamiliar territory, you know, I... I never thought that the, I, I, I'm the object of God's love because significant others in my life have not loved me at all. I've never entertained the idea that Almighty God is willing to accept me the way He is. I had terribly uh, autocratic, unforgiving parents. It's, it's so foreign for me to entertain the idea that uh, uh, an unseen deity who you call Heavenly Father is willing to forgive me. Uh, my parents never had any plans for me. They thought about themselves. And now you're telling me this deity, this God who you worship has good plans for me. In fact, you're telling me he wants to adopt me, take me home for him. He's preparing a place for me. You see, this is foreign territory. It kind of hurts to leave the unfamiliar thought patterns. But by a deliberate act of the will, my fellow Christians, we could do this. How could it be? How could God command us to do something He doesn't enable us to do? He said, "Set your mind on the thing." You know, what we ought. To, let's memorize this first, okay? Colossians three two. So here we go. We just do a little, a little bit at a time. It's Colossians three two. Set your mind. So let's stay right there. Set. It's an action verb. Your. Don't worry about mine. I got my own problems. You got yours. This is your deal. Set your. Don't worry about mine. Take care of yours. Set your mind on. Set your mind on the things. So there's like an object God is giving us on which we are to focus. Let's do it again. Set your mind on the things above. Oh. So let's do the whole thing. Set your mind on the things above. Not, oh, so there's an alternative we're supposed to avoid. That's what not means, okay? Set your mind on the things above. Not on the things, not on the things. Let's run it together. Set your mind on the things above. Not on the things on earth. You see it? On earth. So you have two options, above or earth. Let's do the whole thing. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. Ah, good work. Now let's take a few minutes to see if we can get to the bottom of what's above. What are these things that are above? Do you know it's not spelled out right here? I think the reason is because God wants us to think about it. So I'll tell you a few things because I've had a little advance notice and given some thought to this, but I want you to. So here's your assignment. What are the things above? And when you come up with stuff, I would like to know. So you could email me. 
you could tell me? I'll just give you a, a few ideas of what I mean, some things I came up with. But as our pooled group here, I bet you can come up with more. If it's really good, I'll put it in a list. And then we'll hand it out on a printed sheet. Dear folks, these are the things that are the things above. Set your mind on these things. So it came to me. If there's this a distinction between things above and things on earth, that means the things on earth are not going to make it above. So this told me that the things above have a longer shelf life than the things on earth. So, so what Paul is saying here, don't be focused on stuff that's temporary. I hope I'm not missing here. I'm, I, I, this is just something I was fixing my mind on as I was riding around. That's a good thing to do. Otherwise, my neurons are going to take me to the path of least resistance, which is going to be worry and anxiety and depression. So instead of doing that, I was just setting my mind on what the things above actually are. It's really a good exercise. I can't wait. I can feel new neurons right now. Can you see them? So look, look, look. Things above mean things that are not temporal. They're not time limited. They're not time bound. They're things that reside in eternity, in no endedness. So there are things here that are not sinful to think about. But, but, but I ought not set my mind on them. So here, uh, here's a few. A house is not a thing above. Did you know that? It's only a thing on earth. It's not a sinful, evil thing. It's, in fact, it's a blessed thing. But it is not something I ought to set my mind on. It's not my God. I should not worship it. If I forfeit it, I really don't forfeit the things above. I just forfeited something on earth. A house, what about a job? It's just an earth, it's an earth thing. What about the, what about approval from those around you? <laughs> you don't have to worry about that above. Are you kidding? The Lord Jesus is going to say, for some of us, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not going to say that if you haven't been. You know, I can't put words in his mouth, but I'll tell you one thing he's going to say to all his kids, welcome home. That's really a cool deal. We're, we have the approval of Almighty God. That lasts forever. You know what I mean? There's other stuff here like stocks and bonds. I mean, that, that's not going with us. Did you know that? It, it just has a really, it has kind of a limited shelf. Look, I don't want to hurt anybody, but do you know your physical body, the one you're in right now? It ain't going. It's time limited. I only say that, and I mean this, I, I want to be sensitive. So many of our wonderful members are afflicted physically. You know what our responsibility is? Rally behind you and pray. Ask God for healing and help and sustenance. Please, please. I am not minimizing uh, uh, your, your pain. And so many of you weather the storms of physical affliction in, in such an exemplary way. It's quite, quite something to watch. But... Uh, Being cancer-free is not the purpose of life. I shouldn't have said that. I'm just a little too concerned. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think we're trying too hard to make this temporal life last longer than it's supposed to. What are you afraid of? I'm not trying to be insensitive here. But I mean, like being with the Lord is a cool deal. That's not second best. I'm not saying rush it. 
I, I, I'm not saying avail yourself of the best that medicine has to offer. I'm just saying don't fall into despair if you're not looking at it. The body, I don't care how, it, how healthy it is. I don't care how fit. I don't care if you run marathons and all the rest. It's not going with you. It's staying here. We're getting new ones because this one is not fit for eternity. Folks, this one is not even fit for cold weather. I just, just a little bit of an attitude to just, I shouldn't say this, but I know I'm going to say it. Um, you can never pray enough about everything. Please don't misunderstand. But we sure pray a lot about our physical ailments. And not the condition of our spiritual life, not the salvation of our neighbor. Not the lostness of the cashier at Walmart. Not the uh, spiritual darkness of uh, people in a foreign country that we just hurt. I don't know. It just concerns me a little bit. That kind of tells me maybe I'm missing it. I'm kind of a cynical guy. Forgive me, please, if, if I'm missing it. That just tells me we're a little too invested in stuff that isn't going to last it's not sinful to be healthy, to be well, to take vitamins, you know, eat carrots, whatever the deal is. Go for treatments, have your physical exams, have your... Don't misunderstand, I do all that kind of stuff. This Bible is not saying ignore it. It's just saying don't set your minds on it. Set your mind on things above. So that's one thing I got out of this. This is the second thing I got out of it. Set your mind on things above, but this, this verse... This passage told me Jesus is above. So, so this tells me I ought to set my mind on him. You know what's a good thing? What is he like? Set your mind on it. You'll find yourself smiling when you think about what the Lord Jesus is like. Think about, here's a fancy word, attributes. Think about his attributes. That means, what is he like? Is he mean? No. Is he grouchy? No. Is he impulsively angry? No. Oh, listen, listen to this verse I memorized the other day. The Lord is compassionate oh, and gracious, oh, slow to anger. Oh, give me more, give me more. Abounding in loving kindness. Set your mind on things above. Jesus is above. What is he like? Think about it. What does he want? Think about it. What does he want for you? What does he want to do through you, in you? Think about it. What has he promised? Think about it. Think about his promises. <laughs> what are his plans for you? Think about it. These are all things that pertain to that which lasts throughout eternity. Do that. You'll form new neurological imprints in your brain. It'll become easier. You won't gravitate to the path of least resistance. You, you won't go down so far. You'll be lifted up where from God's point of view you are already. But then you see, but I don't feel it. I don't feel elevated. I don't. Here's, here's what I have found out. Maybe you have too. Don't worry about your feelings. They'll catch up with your thoughts. Remember, the thoughts drive the feelings. 
the first verse we looked at, watch over your heart with all diligence. From it flow the springs of Don't worry about your feelings. What about the facts of heavenly realities? But then someone, I could hear you saying this because I, I know what you're thinking. You might be saying, well, if I do that, won't I be so heavenly minded? I won't be earthly good. On the contrary. If you set your mind on the things above, you'll be really good here on earth. You'll live large. You'll be able to glorify uh, the God who has granted to you an, e- an eternal life. So there's some things that I've just been thinking about. I'd like to know what your thoughts are. What does it mean to set your mind on things above? When you come up with stuff, I wish you would just share it to me and with me. And if it's good, uh, I'll, I'll print them up. We'll share it with the whole flock here. Folks, here's the point. Paul is not suggesting some new age altered state of consciousness where you check out of reality here. He's not doing that at all. He's simply saying, set your mind on what lasts. He's not suggesting we check out of this life. He's simply saying that we will handle this life better if we live it in light of the life to come. That is so good, I really want to hear it again. (laughs) He is not saying that we are to check out of this life. He's simply saying we will handle this life better if we set our minds on the realities of the life to come. So our, our focus on things above will make a significant difference on the quality of our lives here below. So, so my fellow Christians, your feet and mine for now simply must be on earth, but our heads have to be in heaven. You see? set your minds on the things above. It means look at this earth, your experience here from heaven's point of view. That's what it means. You and I are in this world for sure, for as long as God sees fit to have us here. But we are to let our thoughts put us in touch with God's world. Jesus is seated above at the right hand of the Father. So, we are not to be so preoccupied with the passing stuff of this life that it swallows us up, imprints real bad, cynical, negative, depressing, anxious thinking, stressful stuff in our life so that it chokes out the very fruit of the Spirit of God in us. Again, it's not that uh, responding responsibly to the things of earth is a wrong thing to do, but being preoccupied in our thinking with those things is a very, very devastating thing to do. So here's the point, uh, folks. Um, We actually have to leave this world (laughs) in order to live well in it. (laughs) I'm not talking about beam me up, Scotty. Uh, Again, nothing weird, nothing mystical, but in my thought life. I have to depart from the realities of this life just to refresh my mind, to keep it healthy, to keep it whole, to keep it, to keep it hopeful. So it's not about uh, uh, checking out. It's about a new focus of our thought life in keeping with our new status. Um, I'm going way too long, but I, but I, but I really got to do this, and I'll wrap it up. The next verse, verse three: You have died. From God's point of view, you have died. And your life is hidden. You've died, but you live. 
Oh, man. See, Jesus died and lives. He's the first fruits. We follow after. We too have died with Christ, uh, but we live. And it says there in that verse, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. I'll tell you what that means. It means you are safe. (laughs) You're hidden. You know, you hide what's important to you. You hide what's valuable to you. You hide what you want to protect. You're alive. You were dead, but now you're alive. And your new life is hidden with Christ. In You're enveloped by Christ. And he is enveloped by the Father. You're so safe. Nobody can get to you. You are so secure. You cannot be lost. God will never lose sight of you. He will never forget you. This world cannot unless you let it. Uh, squeeze the uh, spiritual life out of you. No, you've been hidden with Christ in God. You are defined now by the fact that he has a hold on you. You used to think you were defined by what has happened to you. Sometimes horrific life experiences. You've made that what has identified you. You've said, I have, I'm a rape victim. I'm an alcoholic. I'm depressed. Uh, no. No, 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 no. You're someone alive from the dead, hidden in Christ, uh, uh, who has had terrible things happen. But those are no longer the defining events in your life. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. From his point of view, you've already been raised up from all of those things which you have allowed to name you, diagnose you, define your identity. When the Lord Jesus says to us in the Bible, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called depressed, anxious, abused. No, no, no. Children of God. Children. That's the new defining event in your life. So folks, this is really, really hard work. Head work is really hard work, but if I can encourage you just, just again, how could it be that a loving, good, gracious God would command it if he didn't also enable us to obey the command? So do not despair. If God commanded it, he will be with you and me in helping us to do this very thing. It's resetting our thought life from the things of earth to the things above. So we close now. But we can't go until we recite the verse one more time. Uh, where is it? It's Colossians chapter 3. And, and here's how it goes. Set your mind on the things above. Not on the things that are on. Yeah, very good. Lord Jesus, that's our desire. Yeah, we want to be heart healthy, but mostly we want to be head healthy. Uh, Because the head drives everything else, doesn't it? Uh, Speaking of the head, head of the church, wow. We praise you for winning victory over the last enemy death. And there you are, raised, resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day, oh my heavens, receiving the fullness of the glory which you deserve. Can't wait to be there. All of us are anxious to be there. Until then, we are to live here with that hopeful expectation. Help us, oh great God, who's blessed us with this marvelous brain, uh, to have it, but not to let it have us. It is a wonderful, our thoughts, uh, our mind, is a wonderful, wonderful slave, but a terrible taskmaster. So let's put it in its rightful place. It's been given to serve us that we may serve you. It's not been given 
uh, to have mastery over us. So, Father, we claim the victory already, victory in Jesus, because what you command us to do, you will also enable us to do. Thank you, O oh God, for this hopeful reality, borne out by natural science, surely, surely declared in the scriptures, and that is we can be renewed, transformed by the renewal of our mind. Thank you for hope, O oh God of all hope. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.